Welcome to the Mungle Punt Podcast. This is the first in what we hope is many, many, many podcasts that we produce for you guys. Uh, today we're going to be running down a few things for the preseason, checking in on a few teams that were middle of the road last year and see where they could possibly end up as we head into 2020. We're going to look at Lance Franklin's injury and see what that means for the 1,000 goal milestone. We're going to have a look at Cripps versus Bont. They play each other in round two or three. Hmm, let me just check that. They play each other in round two. And they also play each other in round 11. That's a masterstroke of AFL fixturing right there. 18 teams in the same game in 11 rounds. And we're going to have a look at the upcoming GWS versus Western Bulldog clash in round three, which they've scheduled for a Friday night. And I'm wondering how much angst and pent-up aggression there is going to come out in that game because there was plenty of it and it was all one way in the final series. So I have with me my lovely co-host, Mrs. Mungrel who's refusing to speak at the moment. However, <laughs> she will be uh, chiming in several times with her well-researched and uh, highly respected opinions on teams, players, their looks, body shapes. Hair. 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 I've yeah. got things to say. You do. So we're going to start with North Melbourne. People who read our columns, or I suppose my columns, would be well aware that I'm pretty high on North Melbourne coming into 2020. Uh, they are a young team with a really, really good spread of youth and experience they have some hard at it players and some really great finesse players but I think for North Melbourne the key to them is the way their kids develop over the next probably the first 10 games actually there's a kid I like there his name's Cam Zerha and he uses himself like a like a battering ram just runs into people bounces off them throws himself at the ball isn't afraid to hurt himself in the process which is a highly desirable talent when you've got someone on your team. I like a bit of aggression. I'm a big fan of aggression. <laughs> Which explains why we're married. <laughs> <laughs> They've got another young fellow there called Nick Larkey, who had some heart problems, I believe, in the off-season and uh, has moved to address them. Between them, those two guys kicked five goals in a game four times last year. And that's, that's fantastic for a you know, young pairing like that up forward in support of the guy you think looks like a clown, Ben Brown. I'm a big fan of Ben Brown. Could he double as Ronald McDonald? No. No. Why? No. He's too clownish? He's too dashing, damn it. Too dashing. He's also <laughs> a vegan. I'll go into bat for him. He's also a vegan, so oh. that's why yeah, sometimes he may just uh, run out of a bit of gas in games. He hasn't got the, the protein. Protein's in meat, right? Oh my god, don't don't talk about nutrition. You t- no. <laughs> As I sit here filling this chair out beautifully. <laughs> I've only sat in it three times and I've already got an arse groove in it. <laughs> and North have got a player down there called Jared Polek and he's um he's in his second year with the Kangaroos and what I kind of find tends to happen is the first year someone joins a new team, they spend half the season trying to acclimatize and get used to their teammates, try and find out where to run, when when's best to receive. And watching Polek last year, he was often fed the ball in positions where he was running onto his, his opposite foot, and he simply can't kick with that foot. So his teammates were giving him the ball in positions where it was almost impossible for him to be effective. Oh, that's so sad. How I don't understand. He's a professional footballer. What do you mean he can't kick with the other foot? How many feet can you kick with? At least one. <laughs> At least one. Have you ever tried the other foot? 
I don't think I have. No, because it's not natural. So but, if players can get away without doing it for most of their career, they'll do it. But if I was paid, if I was paid. paid anything, actually, I would learn to kick with the other foot. Well, You he, could pay me $5 and I would go and learn to kick with the other foot. Well, remind me if you're ever annoying me. I just have to give you $5 to go, <laughs> go and use your other foot somewhere, as long as it's not in my backside. I, um, I will totally take $5 just to go away, so... I'm searching my wallet frantically <laughs> at the moment. And there's also a bit of a, a question mark over what's happening with a guy named Aaron Hall. They got him from Gold Coast at the start of last year, and he took time away from the game with mental health issues. Now, I haven't heard much from him, but he's, I think he's around 29 years old now. So he's at that point where it, it's make or break the next couple of years. If he doesn't play this season coming, I can't see him on their list next year they've recruited him he's come down he's played a handful of games for the club and set out the rest of the year i I can't see him keeping him 30 is getting on a bit are you feeling it are you oh i'm well (laughs) past it i might jump to hawthorne and full disclosure i'm a hawthorne supporter so if anything i'm probably harsher on them than i am on the other teams i'm not going to sit here and say i'm really high on hawthorne i like north melbourne Hawthorne infuriates me and if given the choice of watching a good game between two other teams or watching Hawthorne play I'll take the other teams and check the score of the Hawthorne game because I don't like swearing around my family even though I do it incessantly (laughs) so uh, Hawthorne's got a a couple of players who came in into the team last year uh, their first season one of them my missus likes to pronounce his name. His first name is Chad. Wingardium Leviosa. Yeah, it's not Leviosa. It's... Leviosa. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they say the one chooses the wizard, but he chose to come to Hawthorne. And last year didn't exactly set the world on fire, his first year. All the ability in the world. There was a lot of stories coming out of Port Adelaide that he wasn't a team player, that he was a bit of a loner. He went and did his own thing. I'm not sure how much credence he gave to them. But coming into his second year, the expectations would be very high on him. I'd like to think that he's putting in a big preseason, will possibly emulate his old Australian form of a few years ago. I'm going to make a little prediction here. Oh my God. All right. Yes, go for it. He spent his preseason eating a lot of snacks, mm. not doing much cardio, Mm-mm. no weights, just been chilling out feeling a bit grumpy and grim what leads you to this conclusion it's gonna tank it's gonna tank it's gonna tank this is the year all goes wrong for old chad that was last year also oh it's gonna go worse he actually got better as the season went on but by that point it was almost a lost cause for him the other players tom scully who hawthorne picked up for bugger all really he was a former number one overall pick out of everybody that's what i mean Right. And uh, he ended up being traded to uh, GWS from Melbourne. Stayed there for a few years, probably a, a fair, fairly decent amount of years, actually. And then did his ankle very early in the 2018 season so badly that people thought he wouldn't play again. So he came down to Hawthorne. I'm not sure whether he played every game, but he played almost every game. However, you can kind of tell he wasn't in the same form yet. 
that he was in GWS. So given a preseason, maybe he gets his legs under him again and is a much better player for Hawthorne. And then there's that guy that you liked that should have won the Brownlow last year had he played a game at all. Ruffy. No. Remember Tom when, Mitchell. Tom Mitchell, thank you. So a bit of background. We had a bit of a pool as to who would win the Brownlow last year amongst myself and Mrs. Mungrel's friends and her. Obviously, I just didn't go and hang out with her friends. <laughs> I can think of better things to do. Oh, ouch. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Mungrel decided she would choose Tom Mitchell to win the 2019 Brownlow. Champion. I don't disagree. However, I did have to inform you that he hadn't played a game mm-hmm. at all in mm. 2019. That didn't deter you, though. You were quite confident he was going to poll really well. So I think you switched in the end and picked someone else. Oh, I don't even remember who I picked. Someone rubbish. Yeah, well, they didn't win because I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but um, someone might have yes. tipped that fight. Funny that. That fight. <laughs> <laughs> someone may have tipped him. Anyway, Hawthorne be relying on Tom Mitchell actually returning to the form he displayed in 2018. If he can't get to that level, increased pressure goes on Jager O'Meara, who had a a good year last year, but his disposal was shocking. Too many times he just had to throw it on his boot and hope. So, yeah, he did. He looked at me surprised, but he was always under pressure. That's what I do. That's what you do, even when you're not under pressure. Magic. Yeah, throw it on your boot and hope. Mm-hmm. So he was, he, he struggled a fair bit. And it was only the, I suppose, the emergence of the guy who went on to win the Hawthorne Best and Fairest, James Warple, who kind of eased that burden a little bit to the point where he probably became the, the number one midfielder and O'Meara slotted back into number two, which will make O'Meara number three this year if Mitchell comes back at the same level. Anyway, Hawthorne, I think, can actually make the eight again. If everything goes right and Mitchell's at his best, they're a potential top four team, but I probably see them sitting in around seven or eight realistically, given that nothing ever goes completely right. We'll jump to Melbourne, who had the year from hell last year, given they're the demons. Ha <laughs> oh, It's just splitting my sides. Yeah. So I, I, there's no way they can be as bad again this year as they were last. Oh, really? They were that bad. Were they, they really? They finished second last after... Oh, no. Did you not know this? Did St Kilda finish last? No, Gold Coast finished oh, last. Oh, that's even worse. Your friend, Fat Coach. <sighs> it makes me sad. Last year, Mrs Mungrel had a fantasy. I shed several, actually, <laughs> but I'll just tell you about this one. <laughs> so she had one fantasy that somehow St Kilda and Gold Coast would play off in the grand final. And she'd get to see her ultimate matchup of fat coach versus sad coach because Alan Richardson just looked as though he was a dead man walking for half of the year. Every time he's on AFL 360, you could almost see one of the co-hosts going to put a tissue box on the desk for him. When Don't he was, be mean about sad coach. They sacked him. So, you know, hmm. he wasn't going that well. That's an understatement. So <laughs> we've, we've digressed a little bit here. Um... So Melbourne have still got Max Corn. Yeah, best slash second best ruckman in the league. Do you dispute this? He's scary. No, I don't. He's scary. He just got married. <sighs> That's adorable. Yeah, okay. I think he pressured her into it. Now he's less scary. 
<laughs> you pressured her into it. She was scared to say no. The Betty's a softie. It's like our marriage. <laughs> I pressured you into it and you yeah, were scared, I was to, say scared no. to say no. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate, actually. And the question is who they get a lift from this year. So they missed a guy called Jake Malksham last year. Jake Malksham was one of the best in the league in 2018 at supplying opportunities to his teammates. That didn't happen last year. He was out with injury. His teammates didn't get the service. Their full forward couldn't get on the park in the second half of the year, and in the first half of the year, it was like he wasn't on the park. Tom McDonald was horrible. So they, the guy they had the that they demarked for the replacement forward for Jesse Hogan, a young fellow named Sam Wiedemann, was a bit of a bust last year. Didn't get anywhere near the level he should have. Spent a lot of time in the VFL. A guy who came third in the Brownlow in 2018 dropped away amazingly. Angus Brayshaw just couldn't get near it. Christian Petrarca looks like he's about five or six kilos too heavy and not fat, like solid. So he, I'd love to see him move into the midfield. I reckon he could be a, an absolute bull in there, but I just don't think he's got the endurance to carry those big thighs around. He's, got, he's strong through the hips. I'll Love put it that way. It. Great. It's one of your favourite scenes. You sayings. point him out I will. when we watch. I'll say, hey, hey, he's strong through the hips. That's big thighs. Yeah, big thighs. Big thighs. Quadzilla. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay, Quadzilla. And there's a bloke they've got there called Jack Viney. And every time I hear commentators talk about Jack Viney, they're talking about what a tough guy he is and you know how he does this and how he does that and how he stands up in this and how he is inspirational. And I'm, I'm yet to see that. The thing he'd be remembered for last year was not looking where he was going, turning and running straight into a, I think it was first gamer at Richmond, called Sydney Stack, and he dropped him on his ass, put him down. And Viney, for you know what I just said, he's actually a bit of a tough nut, and it shook him. He took a, took a few seconds to compose himself and start to get back up, but this young fella just absolutely dropped him, and it was uh, one of my favourite moments of the season. So Melbourne, you know, they were really good in 2018, obviously. And I'm wondering whether that was the anomaly or 2019 was the anomaly. You know, will the real Melbourne please stand up? If they're able to re recapture a little bit of form, you know, they'd probably sneak into the eight. But all it takes is for one or two injuries. If Gorn goes down hurt, they're in big trouble. So it'll be interesting to watch those guys. Uh, and if they play like they did last year I won't be watching them at all it's just a complete waste of time how will we see Quadzilla if we don't watch the game I think you can kind of see him at all times there's <laughs> <laughs> just like a quad in your peripheral wide vision screen. <laughs> you could be watching you know Sydney versus Adelaide and then you just see a quad in the corner <laughs> Creeping that's in him the playing side. that's him playing in another postcode Amazing. and he just flashes past the camera in one of his quads and you're like oh look there's Petrarca this is the joy of football right here. It is. What? Thighs or? Mm. Mm. Some of them are pretty hairy. <laughs> uh, the Western Bulldogs. We're going to be talking a little bit about them a bit later on too. They've, got, uh, they've picked up Josh Bruce, another dude with two first names, and Alex Keith. Two first names. You know, I'm not into that. You never trust a dude with two first names. Mm -mm. Untrustworthy. Mm -hmm. So they've picked up those two blokes, one at each end of the ground. They've got probably the best young forward in the game. You'll love this because it involves one of your favourite people. His name's Wayne Carey. Oh, my God. I saw him the other day in South Melbourne. He was posing for photos with old ladies. Redeeming quality. 
All right, yeah, that's true, but still. He came down from the gym and he was... Uh, I'll tell you where it is, guys, if you want to go and meet him. Um, <laughs> so it's at... No, it's not, he was posing for photos with old ladies. Uh, he took 10 contested marks in a game once. He's the only guy to ever do it. You know what a contested mark is, right? Uh, when multiple people are jumping for the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even just two. Yeah. Yeah. So you can be one-on-one against someone and you beat them and, and you mark it. So he took 10 in a game. I think it was a, in the 90s sometime. <laughs> it's pretty pretty broad brush I to go on there, but I don't want to look it up. Uh, last year, this young guy at the Western Bulldogs, Aaron Norton, took nine in a game. And he's done that at 19 years of age. So he's uh, got a fair bit of talent. And he'll probably, you know, he'll go a long way this year. But he needed a bit of, bit of support, and they've picked that up in Josh Bruce. They've got the best mid... Best midfield trio in the game. They got Bont and Pally. The Bont, you like him? Oh, right. The one with the hair at the Brownlow. Yeah. Bont he was only, out of control. <laughs> he only ever brushes the front of his hair. I think he doesn't turn his head when he looks in the mirror. He just looks straight on like he's got tunnel vision. And the back of his head flares up like a bird's How nest. How old is he? He's old enough to know better. Is he? Oh, that's... Okay. Yeah, well, he took a date there. He took his mum. Well, I don't know. Surely she could have said... Marcus, you know, your hair's looking a bit messy at the back. And he's like, I can't see it. I can't see it, Mum. Don't worry about it. And his mum's like, oh, this boy. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> we'll look at Frio. Frio have lost so much run. They've lost Brad Hill. Just, yeah, it, he was their main runner. They lost Ed Langdon. Traded away. Oh, no, Brad Hill left. Who's, who, which one's Smiley Joe? Smiley Joe's a commentator. No, it doesn't matter. What's his name? Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson. There we go. I got confused. Okay. Smiley Joe. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, Mrs. Mungle's favourite part of the Saturday Night broadcasts are when they go to the, the halftime break and Dermot Brereton and Brad Johnson make fun of each other and smile a lot. They're marvellous. Brad Johnson's eyes Love squint him. like he can't even see out of them when he, he, when he smiles. He looks so happy. He's a pretty happy man. Anyway, back to right. Frio. Right, Frio. They've lost Langdon. They've lost Hill. They've replaced them with Blake Akers, but there's still no support for Nat Fife in the middle. So if you're going to look who steps up, it has to be one of their kids. And at the moment, I'm not sure any of them are capable of playing a support role to the level that will enable them to play finals. they got fantastic talls. they had got a bloke called Matt Taberner, who was leading the league in contested marks, which we've already spoken about, until he got hurt. Uh, they had a guy called Alex Pierce who was playing fullback, and he was probably in the running for all Australian fullback until he got hurt. They got a guy called Luke Ryan who's a great intercept marker at halfback, but I'm not sure they've got enough leg speed and inside presence to get him there this year. That said, Fife can win Brownlows when they win eight games, so if they manage to win nine or ten, he's going to be right in the mix again. St Kilda. Uh, sad coach isn't there anymore. You kind of sparked up when I said their name. I don't care. I still like them. Please don't break for St Kilda. Please. Got great cake shops. They got one cake shop on Ackland Street that you remember. One. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They've got great cake shop. <laughs> <laughs> they got too many new faces for mine and it takes time. So they've had a huge recruiting binge. They've picked up Dan Hanabry last year on I think a five-year deal. And he broke down immediately. Got back on the park for a few games, but if he can't 
if he can't play this year, they've really wasted a fair whack of their salary cap signing him. They've picked up a guy I rate really highly named Dougal Howard. Yeah, I know you like this. Go on. Doogie Howser. I bet you never heard that one before. Fantastic. Yep. So he's taken time off for his, from his uh, rounds at the hospital to come in and play probably centre-half back, half-back flank for St Kilda. And the, the impact no one's talking about here is they've got a bloke named Jake Carlisle who had the potential to be a you know, multiple-time All-Australian defender. But to me, strikes me as a bit of a go-with-the-flow kind of player. All the ability in the world, but just a little bit on the lackadaisical side. Lackada- I was going to say lazy, but I thought I'm going to really show you my vocab here. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Um, so I think recruiting Howard down to that back line won't be the foot in the ass that he needs to start, you know, maybe getting him to, to play to his potential. Jump to Essendon. Talk about an injury epidemic there at the moment. I haven't looked into it too much. I'm still waiting for them to find a, an inside midfielder. They've been running with Heppel, Scheel, and Smith for the last few years. They've been throwing David Myers, good name, into the mix. But I figure if you're looking at David Myers to be your inside midfielder, then you're looking in the wrong spot. Having Devin Smith back in there will probably help. Great tackler. I'm not sure he's the clearance player they need. And if they're going to rely on guys like Kyle Langford and Darcy Parrish, I reckon they're a little bit misguided. Uh, the times they've looked most effective at, at the centre bounces when they've thrown your buddy and mine, Jake Stringer, into the midfielder. That's something to say about Jake Stringer? Nothing that's appropriate. Ooh, we are a PG-rated podcast at the moment. <laughs> And really, when you throw Stringer in there, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. So there's no one up, up forward. Joe Danaher was basically a non-entity last year. So he won't be won't be on the park as much as Essendon would probably like. So when you throw Stringer in there, you kind of lose your forward structure. You might get the ball out, but you're just bombing it down there and hoping. I can't see Essendon really doing anything more than sitting in eighth and going out the first week of the finals. Ouch. You know... If they win one, obviously fans will be wrapped. They've won a final for 15 years, but it's it's uphill for them. Who's the longest running loser at the moment? It's not a very nice way to put it, but there you go. That's oh, a good question. Uh, as in making finals, as in winning finals? Winning a final. Essendon, I think. Well, Gold Coast never made it. Oh, yeah. So they've been in the league for, you know, nine years or whatever. They've never made it. Essendon... Haven't won a final since like 2004 or something. So maybe some people listening to this podcast weren't even alive then. Essendon. Just no good. Um, Carlton. They've got one of their co-captains coming back after two knee reconstructions in consecutive seasons. I don't think they're going to make the finals this year. There's a few people that are quite optimistic about them. Uh, I'd be looking for improvement from their kids. They've got Eddie Betts returning. Eddie Betts was a bit of a downhill skier last year. Dominated some poor teams, kicked goals when it didn't matter. Still ended up with 37 for the season, which is pretty impressive, given I think Carlton's leading goal kicker was in the 20s. So he'll add a little bit here and there. Whether he does it when it matters, we'll soon see. But ultimately, Carlton will be on the build. Look after Patrick Cripps, make sure he doesn't get hurt, get some help for him. And I think they'll probably start pushing for the 8-2021. If they do it this year, I'll be very surprised. So we'll talk about Port Adelaide finally. 
they lost Dougal Howard, they lost Billy Frampton, who really didn't do much for me when I, when I saw him play anyway. 2019, they got nothing from their older brigade apart from Travis Boak, who had a career year. You got guys like Charlie Dixon, Robbie Gray, Justin Westhoff. They're all reaching the point in their careers where they can't be relied on to be match winners anymore. Robbie Gray will have great moments because he's an excellent player. He looks like a bartender, does he not? Does, actually. Middle-class kind of bar, not a dive. Nothing too swanky. If I want Mrs. Mangle to pay attention during the game, I might just say... Oh, the bartender's got the ball. And she looks up, she's like, oh, I'm very interested to see how this bartender plays football. And uh, if he kicks a goal, all the better. But uh, if I ever need to distract her, I use the bartender. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you can rely on, on those guys anymore. You've got guys like Darcy Byrne-Jones coming through and also Dan Houston, who look really likely at the moment, and their kids are fantastic. Uh, they need a lift from, from, from several players to play finals this year. So ultimately, I can see them sitting around the same position they were this year, around about that 9, 10, 11 spot, threatening here and there, but not actually making it. So I didn't really give you predictions as to some, but I'm sure you can tell by the tone that there's some I'm not all that impressed with. There's some I am. I think they can move in. North Melbourne might. Hawthorne might. Western Bulldogs will. Melbourne. Oh, gosh. Melbourne would have to really pull their finger out. They'd have to have a complete reversal of form to get back there. And you wonder how much psychological damage was done last year by being belted and, you know, pilloried by a number of teams that they thought they should have beaten. I mean, they won on a last kick of the game against Gold Coast at a time when Gold Coast were almost running up the white flag. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting season. There'll be a few that are just making up the numbers, and there'll be a few who jump out of the box. I guess we'll soon see. I wanted to touch on how this Lance Franklin knee injury is going to impact his quest to become a thousand goal kicker. Now we're looking at, at Buddy at the moment. He needs 56 goals. That's How old a, is Buddy? That's a wonderful question without notice. I think he's about 32. Hmm. He's listed at 105 kilograms. He's a big, big guy. He's a big guy. He's not getting any smaller. I was hoping that with his start to the preseason, an early start to the preseason, he'd drop a few kegs, be able to get around the park a little bit better be in better shape when the season starts and now he's had this mishap which is setting back and he's going to be in almost exactly the same position that he has been in the last few years which is coming into a season with minimal preparation he had 57 goals in 2018 he had 27 last year and he made the All-Australian team in 2018 so he played well enough to be right up there it's a couple of years older than that I'm going to put it out there he's a couple of kilos heavier I can't see him kicking a 1,000 goals this year. If he gets a slow start to the season, which is looking likely, I don't think he'll play round one. If he can't get on the park early, he'd have to have an exceptional second half of the year and be injury-free to reach a 1,000 goals this year. It pains me to say it, but I actually think we're at risk of Buddy never reaching a 1,000 goals. He's at that stage of his career where his body's not cooperating anymore. He can't be this athletic freak that just runs around on the weekends, kicks seven or eight goals and recovers immediately and fronts up again. He's taken time to get better. He's injuring himself all the time. People were asking at the end of last year, is Buddy cooked? And uh, they meant that in the nicest possible way. Who knows what he gets up to in his own time. (laughs) 
But on the footy field, people are asking whether he's done. There was some that was speculating that his 300th game in the last round could have been his last. Obviously, he heard that, came back to training early, got stuck in, and now he's on a 10-week recovery. So best of luck to Buddy. I'd love him to to prove me wrong, but I can't see him doing that this year. Crips versus Bond. So I'll give you a bit of history because I know you're very interested in this. Schoolboy versus the hair. The hair. That's I his know what's going on. The hair. So Cripps and Bont were taken in the same draft. Bont was taken at number four. Cripps was taken at number 13. There are a number of clubs who would like their pick over again who uh, bypassed Cripps and opted for someone else who hasn't really kicked on. They've both won three best and fairest for their clubs each. They're both 24 years old. Cripps won the Most Valuable Player, which was voted on by his peers last year. So that's the Players' Award. Bontempelli won the AFL Coaches Association Player of the Year. Head-to-head last year, in one game, Cripps absolutely tore it apart, uh, playing mainly opposite Bontempelli. Bontempelli decided not to worry too much about his defensive efforts on Cripps, and they paid for it. Carlton got their first win of the year against the Western Bulldogs. Similar to this year, coming ahead of a rematch before the halfway point of the year, Bontempelli burst out of the gates like a man possessed. Had 12 or 13 touches in the first quarter. He averaged 20-something for the game. So 13 in the first quarter is pretty impressive. Uh, set the Bulldogs up and they won. They play in round 2 and round 11. So we get double header of these two going head-to-head. If... I said to you right now, Mrs. Mungrel, you're in charge of St Kilda because you like them for some reason? Yeah. We'll take Bond. You'll take Bond? We'll take Bond. Because? Can help sort out his hair a bit and can't do anything about Crips. And that's the sort of response you're going to get from the Mungrel punt. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to give you... And that's why I'm not in charge of anything ever. (laughs) Well, look, Hairstyles are a, a vital part of uh, Brownlow, although know. although Bont really let himself down that night. I mean, you could tell it, he wasn't going to win. I don't know anything about form, but Cripps always looks like he's uncomfortable. He is, because he puts and his whole laughing, team on his back. But he's laughing all the time, and it looks like he's just so socially uncomfortable that he can't help but laugh. That's his defense mechanism. And I'm like, I don't know how you get... I don't know how you fix that. Mm-mm. I'm pretty sure people would put up with that to have him on their team. But... Not me. Not you. No, no, no. You're a, you're a harsh, harsh, harsh person. I would take Bond as well. I think he... You're going to like this bit. He gets better penetration. I've got my eyes closed. Of course he does. Yes. <laughs> well, that's the rumour. Um <laughs> <laughs> No. Bond, Bond right. someone was telling me that, that he orders soy soy lattes at the cafe I like it do you? see I don't but anyway I order soy coffees yes they're more expensive I've noticed mm. anyway I'd take Bond when he gets the ball and runs he does things with it that Cripps doesn't do so he's more damaging I think Cripps wins more of the hard ball Bond and Pally gives you a mix of inside and outside football that Cripps doesn't. I think Cripps' is, is, uh, outside possessions are almost non-existent. He barely gets any that aren't really, really hard for it. So he doesn't do himself any favours. 
he um, he feeds to teammates and then they run off. Bontempelli will win his own ball, but he'll also run to receive. So I would take him and watch Cripps prove me wrong at the first opportunity. <laughs> um, the last thing we're going to touch on here is we've got GWS versus Western Bulldogs clash in round three. The AFL have scheduled this for a Friday night, which is pretty rare for a GWS game. So I'm feeling that there has to be a bit of common knowledge around there's going to be a bit of spite in this game. This is the game... It's a rematch from when Toby Green decided that uh, he'd like to give Bont a bit of a face massage while he was on the ground. He was placed under huge scrutiny for it. People were baying for his blood. Uh, so is Green, this the eye-gouging thing? Yeah, it was an eye-gouge that wasn't really an eye-gouge. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so um, Green decided, ah, I got away with it once. I'm going to try it again the next week. So I went and did something similar to Lockie Neal the very next week and got suspended for a week. Bulldogs players have come out since and said, wow, you know, we wish that we knew our captain was being roughed up. We wish we knew that. I'm like, what, what game were you guys playing? Were you like running around with tunnel vision? You couldn't see like what was happening. You couldn't see Christian Petrarca's thigh off in the distance. Just blocking the vision. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> Maybe Green was hiding behind it while he assaulted him, even though Petrarca was in Melbourne at the time. So the Western Bulldogs had given GWS an absolute bath about three or four weeks prior. Like, they absolutely belted them. And the GWS has come into this game, obviously taken no prisoners, thought we're going to do what we have to do to win. They went in there, they mixed it up, they targeted Bontempelli, roughed him up. He got really no support from his teammates. And that's that's a bit of an indictment on the Bulldogs. How they respond this time, having been able to go away, sit down, have a look at the vision, have a look at their response, or lack thereof, and assess it as a team, I'm expecting that there'll be no there'll be no quarter given in this game. I'm expecting that the Western Bulldogs will take the fight up to them. Maybe not instigate, but as soon as there's any niggle there's a phrase in AFL called one in all in. So as soon as one goes into fly the flag, I expect everyone in. They'll be fine, sanded out. There'll be this, that. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't looking forward to it. And I'm putting my hand up in the mongrel team to cover that game personally because I really want to see it. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of go after Toby Green. Why are you rolling your eyes at that? Because he took his mum to the Brownlow. It's very sweet of him. <laughs> Look, so it doesn't take much, does it, to get you on side? I'm very soft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't take much at all. So I'm looking forward to that. We're penciling that in at the Mongrel for extended coverage for that Friday night game. I believe I'm still on leave from work during this point, so uh, I'd be doing an extensive wrap-up of that one and probably a preview as well. So circle your calendars, guys. Round three. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> I won't be able to stand up for a couple of minutes. <laughs> Round three, Friday night, Western Bulldogs versus GWS could be one of the games of the year, putting it out there now. So we're going to hope to be doing this sort of podcast every week. We're um, hopeful that it goes well. We're hopeful that we get better. Well, yeah. Let, yeah, I'm a bit of a Lennon and McCartney fan. You've seen the, the, the McCartney bit. It's getting better. And Lennon says, it can't get much worse. <laughs> <laughs> and we hope you join us every week. Thanks for your time, guys.